Welcome to the Colorful Clipboard, where we discuss the building blocks of making dough in childcare. I'm Kate. And I'm Carrie. Welcome back to Colorful Clipboard. And we are so excited to have you today joining us because guess what? <laughs> Carrie, do you know what today is? This is our hundredth episode. I mean, it's more than a hundred episodes, but it's the one we're numbering 100 because we've had <laughs> bonus one. But this is the one we're numbering 100. And we've been in business together, helping directors for 20 years. So it's kind of an anniversary, anniversary. Yay! Yay! <laughs> so today we thought we'd actually do something that we probably should have done actually on episode one. It would have made a lot of sense to be episode one, but it didn't. And so we're going to tell you a little bit about how we got here and you know, maybe fill in some of the blanks. And then we are so excited about not only being 20 years in doing director credentialing program, but we also launched the book um, that now goes with that course, um, which has been on the to-do list for 15 years at least. And so we're really, really excited to make sure that everybody who's listening kind of knows who we are how we got here and all of that stuff. So go for it, Carrie. (laughs) (laughs) Um, I mean, I think we have a lot of people who, who come to us who have different backgrounds and how they came into becoming a director of a childcare center. And we both have, we have different ways that we came into childcare, but something that we share that is part of why we do business well together. Well, there's a couple reasons. We are cousins. Uh, so we speak each other's language, even though we didn't grow up near each other physically at all. We spent two summers together and not even a whole summer. Like if I look back on it, it was probably like two or three weeks, but as a like elementary school kid, that's the whole summer, right? Because it's the first time we got to spend the summer with a cousin that definitely impacts our ability to do business together because we have some shortcuts um, in our communication, but we were also raised by entrepreneurs and our parents did entrepreneurship very differently from each other, (laughs) but because we come from the entrepreneurial background, the business part of the business didn't seem as hard for us as it does for a lot of people that we train and that we coach. Would you say that's correct? I would say that that is pretty spot on. And, um, you know, even using the term entrepreneur has different meanings to different people versus, say, a business owner. And so a lot of times entrepreneurs start a concept, et cetera, um, and they start their business from scratch where a business owner might buy a franchise or an existing business and just is more self-employed. And uh, Carrie and I basically have also had um, our own very diverse career paths, even though working in the childcare field has been very something uh, that we both have a passion for. So Carrie, how old were you when you knew that this was what you wanted to do? I was in preschool myself. (laughs) Um, So I always say I was four, but I could have been three. I don't know. I was in preschool 
And it was actually a day that I had a substitute in my classroom. And I was like, can you imagine just like working with these people all the time? And she was a substitute head who had retired as a teacher at the school. And so it was just like this concept that you could do this forever (laughs) and, and read stories and teach, you know, I was, I still know my cloud shapes because of stuff I learned in preschool. And, you know, I was just like, that would be the best if you could be the boss of this. (laughs) Um, So yeah, I was pretty young. um, And I, I did lots of other jobs, but it was always so that I could have a child care center until I had one, you know, I would work two and three jobs from the time I could work it so that I could have enough money to open a child care center. Well, that is actually one of those things that's just so fun to share with our students uh, who are people who are thinking about either owning a child care center or being in management in child care, where I come accidentally into the industry. I had a an infant and I really didn't like the concept of what it was going to cost to put that infant in childcare and open a registered family home. And because of what I was doing before that, which was business consulting with the SBA and the Ohio Small Business Development Center, I quickly realized that the business aspect wasn't how most people ran a registered family home. They, they didn't necessarily run it like a business. So I didn't last as a registered family home very long. I like the flexibility of being self-employed and I didn't like to have to commit to other people's crazy schedules. And, you know, it only takes one or two parents who didn't want to be on time or who had, you know, lots of drama in their life. And I really enjoyed being able to help those who had the passion, like Carrie did, for the actual industry and for the kids. I had more of a passion of making sure they could make money uh, and that they understood all of the financial aspects, you know, from the tax aspects, uh, not so much the licensing component because you had to kind of be in the industry and understand that, but helping them understand details and why details are important. But Carrie, that wasn't our first adventure into working together for the child care industry. We did a couple of things prior to launching our director training program. Do you want to talk a little bit about the other things we tried to do to serve the industry? So Kate moved to Texas so that her son could have cousins um, and other reasons like for a job and whatever. So she moved here and her son enrolled in the third of my three centers and we started, you know, hanging out and talking and I was doing director training and staff training, mostly staff training. And I was like, Hey, you could come and do some of those too. And Kate was like, what does it pay? (laughs) And the fact that it paid, um, 50% of the door, you know, whatever, you, however many people came in, you got 50% of that. Kate was like, I can do this and I will market the heck out of my workshops. (laughs) And she got paid pretty well for doing that. 
And then of course my, the person who brought me on to train bought a new center and she was like, I don't have time for this. <laughs> and so she stopped running the direct, the, the staff training. And I was like, but I like doing this. So then Kate and I did um, staff training and then we started having some directors ask if we were do any administrative ones. We were like, wait, are those hard hours for you to get? <laughs> cause that wasn't hard. Like I never had a hard time getting the ad in hours cause there were always workshops and trainings that I wanted to go to on business topics. And I would just make a certificate, go to the class, attend the class, and then make the instructor of that workshop at, you know, the chamber of commerce or whatever, sign my certificate. They always thought it was weird, but they did it. It's not a big deal. Um, so we started doing those and then we did SOS. <laughs> um, yeah. So um, let's frame that real quick before we get too far into SOS. So I want to preface this by the fact that neither one of us were 30 when we started SOS, which was substitutes on schedule. And there is a reason why I want to stress how old we were, because or at least maybe how old I was, because this was something that was very, very hard for me. I was a mom. I couldn't, there were things I really couldn't understand by employees who were 18 to 21. So um, as a SOS, we would hire people, we would train them, and then we would send them out as substitutes. So because we knew there was a need. Cause there was only one sub service in town and it was always booked up and we knew how to, how to train staff. Right. So we're like, Oh, this is obviously a hole in the market and we need to fill it. No, we didn't need to fill it. It's still a hole in the market. So if somebody else wants to do that in any major Metro, we'll be happy to talk you through what you need to do. It's a great business for people who are mourning people. And are prepared to deal with people to call them and lie <laughs> to try to get a substitute. Because the incidents that really stuck out to me are the people who would call me at like three o'clock in the morning and obviously drunk and not wanting to go to work well because they were drunk. And, which I guess if you had called me at 11 o'clock because you were going out partying, that would have sat much better than at three o'clock in the morning. And then I have to try to find a substitute at three o'clock in the morning. It didn't really work well. And we did such a great job hiring people that the centers that we sent them to would hire our people. And we didn't have any sort of uh, clause in our paperwork originally. And I do say originally, because we changed that um, about basically taking and hiring our staff. So we like kept losing our substitutes. <laughs> well, and also, you know, to put a time frame on this for people, because I'm sure some people are going, well, why aren't people just texting? This is not a problem if there's texting at three o'clock in the morning, they can just text into a service because now there is software available where somebody could go into a scheduling app, mm -hmm. give what their availability is, somebody else could go into that software and say, this is what I need. None of this existed, people. <laughs> this was in the 90s and early 2000s. Texting and, and staff scheduling software did not exist. This was an entirely manual process 
we were early adopters of cell phones. (laughs) At least it wasn't our landline that was ringing, right? (laughs) As I have to take deep breaths, just trying to think it through. Yeah. Um, So we, we saw this need in the marketplace. It's still a need in the marketplace. Please feel free to step in, in your Metro. If there is a need in your Metro, we'll help you find software and um, all of that if you want to do it. But you don't really need our help. You can find it. it it's, a, it's a totally valid business idea. It was just, we weren't the right people for it at that time. We were good at the hiring. We were good at the training. We were good at the selling of the service to other centers. <laughs> there was just this other piece that we we could maybe do now, but we could not do that. And we're not willing to go back in because we have some bitter taste in our mouth. And then, um, you know, a couple other steps. I don't think we need to do every step in, no. the, in the story, <laughs> but I was asked to write a director credentialing course for an agency, but they said I couldn't teach it. (laughs) Um, And I got mad and I was like, well, if I'm qualified to write it, I'm qualified to teach it. And I said, hey, Kate, you and I like to train together. How about we write and and do this director credentialing together? Um, And Kate did all the paperwork with the state because Kate is the detailed person. Kate did all the stuff at the state to get us qualified 20 years ago. Um, and we probably about 21 class. right now, because our first yeah. class was January, 2002. Right. And I will also tell people, I'm going to air a little bit of, you know, our faults. We were not a hundred percent finished with the book <laughs> in that very first class. Um, we were not, 85, maybe 90%. We were, we were significantly done with the book, but we kind of ran out of steam and we had the class scheduled and it was being taught at my center (laughs) and there were people enrolled. I don't remember how many people, but there were people enrolled. And so one of us would be teaching on a topic and the other one would be in the other room frantically typing (laughs) to get the last couple chapters written because sometimes you just need a deadline (laughs) and the deadline was we're teaching that topic next weekend it needs to be finished (laughs) because it originally was two weekends because there is at least 40 hours worth of content in a director credentialing class and again This was the early 2000s and YouTube had a limit of all videos had to be eight minutes or less. (laughs) And we were like, you know, so it didn't even occur to, if YouTube even was around in 2002, I remember my kids doing YouTube early on. So maybe it wasn't even quite there yet. I think it was Um, when we got to the 2005 version of the course, but yeah, anyway. So, you know, at the very beginning, it had to be two weekends because we had a whole bunch of information that we needed to get into people's heads from child development to what is a business plan and why should a director know about it, even if they're not the owner, Um, which I still have people going, but I don't handle that. And I'm like, yeah, you do. That's how you get 
evaluated. You need to know what the plan is. <laughs> if you don't know what the plan is, you don't know what your board or your owner is wanting from you. <laughs> so obviously there's some things that we do that we have a real passion about. And we have absolutely loved working with directors who bring that same passion to childcare that Carrie has had since she was three or four. We enjoy working with entrepreneurs or business owners who recognize that their community has a need for childcare. Um, there are days where we find um, people in the middle um, or people who are transitioning, definitely a little bit different for us to work with, uh, but we love it. We love learning from our clients. And so doing coaching, one-on-one uh, -on -one support, private director courses are all things that we have evolved into doing over the last 20 years. And so Carrie, you were actually the reason why we finally got the book published <laughs> and not just <laughs> about. Um, and one of the things that you actually did was you used to coach yourself. So yes. talk a little bit about the book and, you know, what was the, why did we want to do a book 15 years ago? And, <laughs> and kind of the, that I'm going to go with a feeling of accomplishment that has come as a result. Well, so not everybody who is going to become a director or an owner lives in the state of Texas. Um, and not everybody who's going to become a director or an owner needs to go through a director credentialing class, even if they're in Texas, because maybe they have uh, an early childhood bachelor's degree and they took enough business management classes so that they didn't need a director credentialing class. Doesn't happen a lot, but it does happen. So, but there are people who, you know, got a business degree and then they took some child development courses because they knew they wanted to open a center or when their children were young, they went back to school and took some child development classes or they have their CDA. And anyway, there's lots of other ways that people can become qualified to be a director in the state of Texas and they don't need to come through Texas director. But all of them, in my opinion, <laughs> need the information that we teach. Because if you are qualified to be a director because of your formal education and the fact that you have worked in early, say you were a kindergarten teacher at the local school district and you have, so you have your early childhood or your E4 direct teaching certificate and you were a kindergarten teacher for a year and then you want to go into childcare, there is so much that you do not know <laughs> as a kindergarten teacher trying to direct an early childhood program or an after-school program. You don't know what key performance indicators are. You know, you're used to, you know, getting the kids ready for the STAR test. We have no version of a STAR test or, you know, high stakes testing in early childhood, but you have to do screenings, developmental screenings, and there isn't one that the government gives you and says, here's the screening to use. You have to pick which one. You probably don't know how to do hiring, firing, motivating your staff. You don't know how to 
design a classroom for a toddler classroom. Because the way you set up a classroom for toddlers is very different from how you set up a classroom for kindergartners. There's all these kinds of things that directors need because it is such a huge job. It is one, it is a very broad job. And we saw so many directors in conferences we went to, in workshops, in networking events, where the directors were just overwhelmed. And they didn't so, have they didn't have anybody there to support them. So what's the name of the book? From overwhelmed to I to, to I got this. <laughs> that wasn't like, meant to be a trick question. <laughs> I, because we had two versions. It was from I got this or I can do this. I and I was like, wait, which one did we? I know it's been out for almost for since September of last year. So um, more than six months, but I still sometimes go, wait, which one did we decide? I got this because we want you to have, I don't want you to think that you can do this. I've got it. I have this. And so we wrote it, we got it published and we just now also got published the workbook, which had just been something people could download if they wanted it. And we were seeing that not very many people were downloading it. And we're like, guys, this is really helpful. <laughs> this is this is helpful. If you're not coming through our class, get the workbook. So now that's also available on Amazon so that people can, if they're not coming through our class, which is fine. If you're not in Texas or if you don't need a director credential class in order to be a director of your center, great. Still get the book, get the workbook. Even if you've been a director for a while and you're feeling overwhelmed because of what's happening currently, it's still a useful book. <laughs> you may get to skip a couple of chapters because you're like, I know about regulation. Thanks. Don't need that chapter. But, you know, it is a book written to be encouraging. It has real life stories of positive things and negative things that happened to Kate and I. <laughs> to make it relatable. We don't want anything to be hard to conceptualize. You know, we talk about your budget is a map <laughs> and really explain how that works and, you know, all those kinds of things. So it was hard to get it finished. <laughs> um, we had re-edited our course textbook seven, eight times over the years. So we had, we had a good basis for the book, but we wanted to make it more conversational because the other one was a textbook and this, we wanted to be more like a self-help book. <laughs> it's, it's very much a self-help book. There are activities at the end of the chapter for you to do, to, you know, reflect on, um, and if I had not had a writing coach, it would still be a dream. <laughs> um, you know, I had somebody who I talked to multiple times. She set deadlines for me because as we've discussed, I am a deadline person. If I don't have a deadline, it's just going to keep going and going. I gave her, you know, several thousands of dollars 
I have not yet earned back from sales of the book, the amount of money I spent on coaching, but I needed the coaching because I wanted the book to get out there. The book is not a money grab. The book is our gift to the industry that has treated us well. And I have to add, because one of my favorite parts about the book is the fact that the book not only is a book book, you can get it soft and paperback, hardback, Kindle, but you can also get it as an audio book. And one of the things that we heard pretty much from the beginning, so or not from the beginning, but since roughly 2006, is that people enjoyed listening to our audio tracks of our videos. Um, and people would put the CD, again, like we said, we've been doing this for 20 years. And so they would put the CD in their car and they would listen to us talk on their way to work. So, uh, And that's part of why we have the podcast. <laughs> And so we were really excited to be able to do it as an audiobook, and we worked with some awesome professionals. And it really is a great way to uh, use your car time wisely. So if even if you don't think that you're necessarily overwhelmed, but you're looking for some professional development for yourself as a director, you've not taken our course, even if you've taken our course. Um, and, and we've at least made it a little bit easy for you that one of us reads the first half of the book and the other one reads the second half of the book. And so the book itself is not as conversational as our podcast, but we did that because we were trying to hopefully save your sanity a little bit by going, <laughs> was that Kate or was that Carrie? You know, who was that talking? Yeah. And so, <laughs> yeah. And, and again, if you want a free copy of the audiobook. We can help you with that. I will, I will send to our editor the link so that maybe we actually have something in um, <laughs> the podcast notes so that you can get the free audiobook. No skin off our nose. Again, this is not a money grab. This is us giving a gift to the industry. And, uh, you know, it, we started the podcast before we recorded the audiobook. And that gave us the confidence to do the audiobook, but it also gave us the thought that we needed to have somebody who knew what they were doing edit us <laughs> and coach us because in our podcast, there is dead air. We are not the tightest podcast in the world. We are very, we talk over each other. No, um, we don't do that. <laughs> <laughs> and so we needed it to be cleaned up a little bit. So it is done by a professional audio engineer who has his actual degree in this field and set up a full recording studio with baffles and giant mic with filters in front of it that did something. I don't know. He put us on specific, you know, furniture. <laughs> we felt very, very fancy, very fancy. Whatever things we had to eat. Yep. Um, got a little potato chips. So on that note, I hope that you guys will take an opportunity to go back. Let us know what was your favorite episode of the previous 99 or any of the bonus episodes. And we would love to hear from you at hello at colorfulclipboard.com. And, you know, thank you for joining us. Again, we are, this is the scheduled 100th episode. And we have uh, been very 
honored to be part of the childcare industry in the state of Texas for the last 20 years. And we thank you so much. And I'm not sure we'll be around for another 20, but you never know. Uh, we do both have children, so or young adult children. Uh, so it may be something that we pass on. And we have had our young adult children be involved in our businesses a lot over the years. And so that might be another podcast episode. You might need to talk <laughs> about working with your family. Uh, I'm not sure that's just a single episode, but uh, <laughs> so thank you for sharing these episodes with us. Um, and again, Kate was not kidding. We want to know which ones you really liked so that we can go back and revisit those topics. Or maybe. if there's something we're missing. If, is there something that you're like hundred episodes and you still haven't talked about whatever this is? Yep. And in the next 50, we will be having more interviews where we bring other people on, one of which will be our audio engineer from our, um, so look forward to the next 50 and what, uh, what the next year will bring to us. Thank you for listening to Colorful Clipboards. Connect with us on social media at Colorful Clipboard or send us an email to hello at Colorful Clipboards. Send us your voicemail with your own questions and stories. If you want to keep learning with us, visit Texas Director, where we continue to have seminars, licensing, programs, and more. This show has been made by me, Carrie Casey, and Kate Young with assistance from Hallie Casey and Marie Young. If you learned something today, share the show.